0: You are listening to the Cast.
1: Does how you get your stuff to the crag really matter that much? Couldn't you just throw it in a hefty bag and sling it over your shoulder or drag it up the trail to most cliffs just fine? Probably. But as long as we're on about things that don't matter, remember that the sun will eventually atomize the planet and suck it all into a black hole, including that beautiful rack you just finished accumulating. So does anything really matter? Well, disregarding that existential crisis, maybe it's time for a new pack from Black Diamond that looks better, carries better, and just says, I have my shit together. You can trust me. For starters, Black Diamond's Creek 50 has become a legendary all-day crag pack with haul bag durability and a smooth finish. The new Transit Series takes the same sleek, no-flim-flam design to the streets with tight little packs for your on-foot commute, rolling to the gym, travel, or just running down to the coffee shop to get internet and update your insta face my tweet TikTube. tube Black Diamond also has mini packs for long routes, duffels for the gym, big packs for you kitchen sink types, lightweight running, and alpine packs. All the packs. And guess what? They even have climbing packs without ice-axe loops. Most of us don't need the ice-axe loops, you guys. So to get the right packs to do what you want and only what you want from the climbers at Black Diamond, go to BlackDiamondEquipment.com or your favorite local shop. Hey, it's your toes back with another bit of advice. Now, I know you love them La Sportiva TC pros. Great for cracks, off whists, edging and smearing on granite. And TC, well, he's kind of the godfather. A real made man, if you know what I'm saying. So I don't mean any disrespect, Tommy, but when it comes to us little toesies, sometimes it's nice to feel the rock we're grabbing. And though the fingers get all the fun stuff, the full crimpin', the half crimpin', three-finger drag crimpin', half-four-finger drag crimpin', decaf drag with two pumps of vanilla crimpin', turns out us toes can push and pull too. Just like that old barefoot Chuck. That guy has beautiful crimpy little toes. A little too beautiful, if you're asking me. And we can't have people not buying shoes now, can we, Chuck? Anyway, that's where La Sportiva's reinvented Mantra slipper comes in. The softest, lightest climbing shoe on the market. Thin, comfy, real sensitive. Just like us toes. You know we have a sensitive side too, and we're happy to remind you of the pain we can feel come ice climbing season. So, in the gym, on steep climbing outside, let your toes feel the rock instead of just knocking around in your shoe like a bunch of ripe walnuts. And get us in a pair of mantras stat. Go to sportiva.com or your local shop and treat your toes to a pair of mantras. And maybe, as a special treat, we'll let you keep all your toenails this year. Oh wait, what? It's mantra? not mantra what's a mantra
2: we gotta get listen going, uh, right? uh where are you playing in town are
1: you playing here we're doing the uh, the dome whatever it is it's terrific oh it's yeah that big place, sold that sold it out. Of time. that's very a big nice. place you sold oh, so it out 20, I'll, I'll say see so we really should
2: run look you better get up there before you panic those pens are loose you're very good I have really enjoyed having him with you we'll make
0: it. I don't think so but
2: we shall continue with style. Good weather. Good weather. No later anytime.
0: Today's show is brought to you by Black Time and Equipment, La Sportiva, and with support from Maxim Ropes. Maxim has been keeping the normal cast off the deck since 2012.
1: And don't forget our charter sponsor, Bonfire Coffee. Go to bonfirecoffee.com and enter Enorma at checkout for a discount on great coffee and to support the EnormaCast.
0: And now back to the show.
1: Hello and welcome to the EnormaCast. This is your host, Chris Kaluz. It is August 30th, 2022, about one o'clock here in Colorado. And this is episode 248 of the EnormaCast. And today, I'm talking with Kaya Lindsay, who you may know from her Instagram handle, One Chick Travels, also from the Girls Gone Wide films. She's the filmmaker behind those, and just a presence in the trad climbing world for the last few years. I caught up with Kaya at the International Climbers Festival this summer. It was, in fact, the only interview I did up there that time. I usually do more, but I was kind of busy worrying about my presentation, which actually went okay despite the tears from my face and from many of the crowd's face. Yeah, I had a good time up there in Lander once again, even though it was a little bit different vibe this time because I was all alone. The entourage stayed home. Everybody's growing up, having kids and shit. And uh, yeah, a little bit more mellow. Met a lot of folks. Hope I ran into you up there. And I'll be looking forward to next year. Just keep it going. Keep the train of going. But before we get to that, I have sort of a PSA. I don't really know how to exactly put this. But what I would like you guys to do is to band together and stop ripping on each other so hard on the internet. Right now, climbing is sort of under attack. A lot of regulations coming down about fixed anchors, about permit systems, and even our own media seems to be hammering us lately about how much we trash everything. And as soon as that starts, it's like all the climbers in the comments are like, yeah, we suck. And yeah, we suck at that. And we live our shit here. And we shouldn't bolt everything. And we shouldn't do this. And we are awful. Like, really, it's fucking bizarre. You guys, like, take it easy. Okay? Keep it to yourself. Like, yeah, we do not have a perfect record. We have our problems. But by and large, we take care of the world around us. Okay? I've seen some trash shit, and it ain't climbers that are doing it, okay? You can take thousands of climbers and put them in one place, and they may trample some shit, but they don't leave trash around for the most part. If they did, it was probably by mistake, okay? We do not run rampant through these communities causing problems despite the sort of media propaganda that's going on around that. And uh, yeah, I don't know. I, like I said, I don't exactly know how to say this, but like, we're on the same team. Okay, so we do not need to publicly be hammering each other, despite the fact that once in a while, some wingnut bolts some petroglyphs, all right? It's fringe cases. It does not reflect on what most people think within the climbing community when stuff like that happens. We're snarky, we're privileged, all that stuff. I get it. You know, and some guy stashes a rope or some bivy gear and then is like too lazy to go get it. And then it's wintertime and it's over and they never come back. They shouldn't do that. It's lame, and then a bunch of other climbers clean it up once a year, annually, at an event that they created. We are a good, solid user group in the outdoors, despite our infringements. To listen to the media, even from our climbing media, places like Indian Creek are some sort of hellscape of trash and shit and trampled cryptobiotic soil, just like basically like a nuclear bomb went off. It's not like that. It's beautiful. There's some trails. We stay on the trails. We shit in the shitters. Like it's not the end of the world that people are parking on the side of the road. Okay. And it's just like, it's like driving me nuts. When my friend from Spain first went to Indian Creek, he couldn't believe how clean it was. And he's a climber, you know, compared to many of the climbing areas in Spain, he was just like blown away. There was no trash anywhere. Okay. There's a freaking piece of tape here and there, or somebody's shopping bag blew away. Okay. Or they put their beer down and forgot the can there. Like, yeah, there's a few things. Even when we have cleanups here in Rifle, like there used to be this game that we would try to play where, you know, the person who turned in the most trash would win some sort of prize. And like, you had to dig around in the bushes. And what you were finding was other people's trash, not climber trash. Okay. You were out there picking up, you know, Bud Light cans in the river and like, You know, SIG butts, maybe a couple climbers still smoke, but that wasn't from climbers. Okay. It was like, yeah, we found a little bit of tape here and there and some duct tape from somebody's knee pad that, you know, is gray and rolled under a rock and they couldn't see it. Like, that's it. And here's the problem. When we add to this media, when we back it up, when we say, yeah, they're right, Other people looking in, land managers looking in, non-climbers from the outside, get this impression that we're just all these raucous party animals that are trashing everything around us. And we know that is not true, okay? We know we do not leave campsites trashed. We do not leave the base of crags trashed, okay? There was some erosion because it gets used a lot. That's different. That's not intentional. Yeah, we're all out there climbing on petroglyphs like a bunch of crazy people because it happened one time. Uh, anyway just chill out don't post your little beef because you once saw somebody like break a beer bottle around a campfire because they were drunk all right anyway (laughs) Uh, yeah that didn't come out the way i wanted it but you get what i'm talking about okay let's talk about kaya i was excited to sit down finally with kaya i sat down in her van um i have followed her for years on instagram i've watched her evolve not just as sort of a van lifer Instagram person, but also as a climber. I think she and her crew of women have changed the way we look at women trad climbers a little bit. It's changed the way we look at off with climbing quite a lot, actually. And the thing about them in general is that they bring good vibes and fun to not just trad climbing, but this kind of formerly dark world of like off with climbing. They just they just bring a good time. And it sort of harkens back to, you know, the eras before when climbing was not quite so serious. We weren't training quite as much. We weren't, uh, you know, debating all the little ins and outs quite as much. And I know I can do that, so I'm I'm part of that crew. But anyway, it was great to sit down with Kaya. She's got an interesting story. She was an early van lifer before it became kind of a meme and and maybe a little bit derogatory. Uh, to call somebody that. But she's risen beyond that, expanded herself, and uh, I think she's become a great contributing member of the community. So here we go. Conversation with climber, Kyle Lindsay. So we've never met until today.
2: We've never met until today.
1: Um, <laughs> even though we we banter a bit on on the uh, old old Instagram the social media yeah. yeah and and it's funny because you spend so much time in some of my old haunts yeah that a lot of times i feel like i i sort of do know you when we're talking on there because we talk you know a little bit about the sort of strikes and gutters of being out there and the and yeah. the, the life and all that sort of thing which is m- makes it interesting and i don't know when i first noticed you or followed you on instagram uh but i'm sure it was with you know there was probably you hadn't you hadn't differentiated yourself from a ton of sort of fan account climbers that i yeah that i was following but then it seemed like you kind of i don't know you had a different vibe that i thought was interesting which maybe we'll be able to get to in this and also you just have been doing it a, a while yeah you know and sticking with it yeah yeah And you've had your ups and downs with it. And there's been some drama and things like that, which is, you know, so you've actually created something of a story that's been captivating to follow.
2: Thank you. And, uh,
1: you know, captivating enough like that you're, you know, whatever Instagram decides to give you all of a sudden when your stuff comes up, you know, it's like whatever game that is. So, um, but yeah, so it's kind of interesting because I want to, I, I mean, I just kind of want to know everything. I just want to chat about everything. Like we can do that where you came from. What you're doing? I mean, what what the great stuff about this is? What what's the stuff that makes you down? Yeah. What and then the other thing that's I think interesting is that it seems pretty common to have women traveling by themselves in climbing these days, but mm-hmm. it's relatively new movement. Yeah. Not that it didn't happen, but it was pretty rare to be just on the road. Not obviously. Oh, I'm going from in Indian Creek to or to meet my boyfriend or whoever. Yeah. Like. Your just whole mission is out here alone. Yeah. So the kind of ups and downs of that would be really cool. So, but if you want to start where you started.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, uh, I'm from, you know, Santa Cruz, California. Okay. I'm from a little beach town mm-hmm. in California and, um, not many rocks, uh, in my childhood. I think like I did go climbing at Pacific edge, which is also where Chris Sharma started rock climbing. So we have that in common. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah i mean i what you were saying earlier about like how we 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 kind of frequent the same haunts i was thinking about how like all trad climbers are they kind of have the similar have a similar vibe and are like interested in similar things Mm -hmm. and like suffer similar you know issues and failures um so yeah i just like i got really into trad climbing a couple years ago and i feel like that has been kind of like my journey into like I don't know, creating a more interesting story of my life, just becoming who I am as a person. Mm. Like, I think that transformative experience is like what trad climbing can offer people. And I know that that sounds a little silly, but I think that that's like the root of it for me. Like I was doing this like van life thing and trad climbing was always the thing that made it worth doing. Okay. Yeah. Like the van was only ever just a vehicle to like do climbing more. Right. It was like a, you know, it was a pretty picture, and it got me a lot of places, mm-hmm. but um, <laughs> both literally and metaphorically. But yeah, like the the drive and the the thread of everything that I've been trying to do was focused around climbing.
1: How did you figure out that you could just get in a van and leave?
2: Just get in a van and go. I mean, how old were you? I about. I think I was twenty two right. when I first discovered the concept of van life. Right. I'm twenty nine now. And I had been climbing in the gym for a long time, like bouldering in the gym. That's like, that was always my, my passion. And I met this girl who just like casually told me one day, she's like, yeah, I'm going to buy a van and move into it for the summer. Uh, I'm going to go down to Bishop and just boulder. And I, that was like my lightning moment. Like I felt like I was struck by lightning because I was just like, oh my God, you can just do that. You can just move into your van and go rock climbing. And so. Like from that point forward, I was like, that's what I'm gonna do. I'm gonna move into my van. I'm gonna go rock climbing. Like, I'm gonna save money on rent. I'm gonna have this like cool, you know, like free life experience. And so I, you know, I worked for about a year after that, saved up a bunch of money and uh then bought a sprinter van this one that we're actually sitting in right now and uh started building it out with my then partner at the time we hit the road and did like a two-month road trip uh and then he kind of like decided it wasn't for him and uh you know we ended up breaking up after that and i uh, i bought him out of his half of the van and then i hit the road on my own yeah the first place that i went was joshua tree because i had you know i had known that there was climbing there but Like at that time, I think trad climbing was still this like really abstract concept. Like it wasn't really something that I understood as something I could do. So it was mostly bouldering. And I went to Climber Coffee there and uh, met this girl, Genevieve, who lives in a camper to this day. And uh, she has this big white dog, Sailor. And uh, I met her and she just like casually invited me to Indian Creek, to Creek Pasture, which was like, you know, another 2000 miles east of where we were or something like that. And um, I, yeah, I just like had never really left home before I'd never really left the state before on my own, you know, a long road trip driving on my own had never done. And I just decided to go and meet her at Creek Pasture Campground in two weeks. And I remember the craziest thing for me growing up in california was driving through utah and being like where are all the cars hmm. like there's just like nobody here right like, the emptiness of that state just like blew me away but yeah i showed up and she was not there which was a little bit scary and uh you know i slept a fitful night in my van in the group parking area in the back of Creek Pasture Campground uh and the next morning I woke up and walked to the um Creek Pasture message board and saw that someone was looking for partners Sarah I think the bravest thing I ever did was I walked up to her campsite and was like hey I can't trad climb but I can belay and uh do you want to go rock climbing today and she you know she could have just told me to like stuff it and no I'm not going to teach you how to trad climb but she was like yeah sure why not? She, I see her around every All once in a right, while. Right. She's like a rope access worker now. Okay. Um, Her and her partner. So she like does seasonal stuff. And every once in a while I see her and I'm like, Sarah, you changed my life. And she's like, great. <laughs> she's like, It's. I mean, like, yeah, for her, it was just a weekend of climbing. And right. for me, it was like transformative. I mean, as you left,
1: you left. What did you leave behind? Well, I mean.
2: To, you the, know, the, boy, the ex,
1: obviously. You know, what? did you have any sort of life that had any interest for you that you were sort of driving away from?
2: I mean, in a way, like, I had nothing left because right. the breakup that we had was pretty encompassing. Um, it was kind of one of those breakups where, like, you know, we break up and he torched all my other relationships in the process. Sure. And so... I actually, you know, I like I lost my friend group and my climbing partners and like my community and you know I was planning on leaving to go rock climbing so there were a little bit of me right. cutting ties as well and it was kind of like I just was like well I don't have anything to stick right. around for you know um, and I don't want to trash him because you know he's he's not a bad guy but it was you know just yeah, like a,
1: it happens that way sometimes
2: yeah it, just the relationship ended in a in a pretty bad well I mean I you know. Yeah. It's, it just ended. Yeah. Uh, (laughs) yeah, it ended and and I didn't really have a lot to stick around for. And so I was really in a space where I was looking for something to fill the void. And Uh like, I had this idea that it would be rock climbing, but I didn't really know, like, I didn't know what rock climbing was. And I basically spent 11 days in Indian Creek straight climbing every day I really think of those 11 days as like a before and after. I basically came out of the desert having led my first trad climb, mm-hmm. which was the South Six Shooter. And I was kind of like, well, this is my life now. My priorities are different. I'm a different person. I don't care about the things I cared about before. Like, this is it. And uh, I that's basically what I did for the next four years straight. Yeah, so Just you I mean
1: it was uh it was that stark in your head. Yeah. Yeah.
2: It was literally like Kaya those 11 days in Indian Creek or in Creek Pasture Campground right. and then Kaya post. Okay. Yeah.
1: And then Kaya immediately posts that meant staying down in that in in Moab or did you were you traveling around a little bit more?
2: Yeah, I mean like I at that point I had drank the Kool-Aid and I was like I was in it. Yeah. Um but I still had like um I was working remotely on the road. And so I still had, like, jobs to do. At the time, I had branded myself as, like, a social media marketer, freelance. So I was, like, running people's, like, companies' social media pages. Mm -hmm. So that was something I could do from the road. But, yeah, so I was, you know, I was going back into cell service. Um, I had, like, a friend's wedding to go to. Like, just, Mm -hmm. like, there were a little bit of ties that hadn't completely severed yet that I was, you know, addressing. And I was also, like, really naive about my time. And I just had this thought that I could, like you know bounce around to eight different places in a month or something Dang. and so i think like directly after those 11 days i like went back to california to visit my family and then like went to yosemite oh i did i went to yosemite because my friend allison kaplan who i love very much decided to teach me how to rock trad climb like she i met her in indian creek on those 11 days and she you know, out of the kindness of her heart was just like, yeah, I'll teach you how to trad climb, like come to Yosemite. And, uh, I like bivied in the employee bivied. I slept in my van. I slept in my van in the employee parking lots for a couple weeks. And, you know, she took me up all the classics ended up doing like, you know, the biggest achievement of my life at that point was Royal Arches. And I did that at the end of my trip there. And I was like, wow, I can trad climb. Like, I know how to do this. And she has some really good stories about when I was trying to uh, learn. The very first multi-pitch she took me up on, I untied at the top. And then the second multi-pitch she took me on, I didn't know how to place gear. So I just made like, I put like a bad piece in and then connected that directly to my harness. And then I belayed her off of my harness to get up. So we really had like a long way to go as far right. as like teaching how to rock climb went. Um but yeah, that was like, that was kind of the next stop. And like, I remember during that time, my capacity for joy, I had never experienced like such a depth of joy before. Like I, I literally remember feeling like I didn't know I could be this mm-hmm. happy and like mm-hmm. this content just in everyday life. Yeah, um, And that for me was like the th- the thing that trad climbing and like, you know, living on the road and meeting people like really gave me was that like I before I felt like I was you know doing this kind of Mm -hmm. like you know up and down up and down up and down and now I was like you know 10 times higher than I'd ever been emotionally which was just like you know crazy (laughs) so yeah that's kind of where it it went
1: well let me ask you a little bit about the improvement I mean how how did you keep was it just now that you had the skills to go and and do roots and, and start learning more on your own? Or was there still a series of mentors or groups of people that were able to kind of keep getting you the skills you needed? Cause Royal Artists, um, you know, good job. Yeah. But we got to get, we got to get you up to speed a little bit more. Yeah. A little bit more.
2: I, I feel really lucky because the majority of my mentors in climbing have been uh, women, which is like, I know not common, like mm-hmm. very, very rare. But yeah, like the first woman that ever, or person that ever took me trad climbing was Sarah. Mm -hmm. Um, Allison took three weeks out of her summer to teach me how to trad climb, which like I am, you know, forever indebted to her. Right. Um, I was kind of seeing this guy who like, you know, took me up some harder routes in Squamish at one point. But like, I sometimes just forget that that even happened and maybe that's selective memory. Um, But I ended up kind of, as you do on the road in Squamish, specifically glomming on to this like group of young guys. Um, And we kind of developed this like very, I think of like the Wendy and the lost boys kind of vibe Uh where it was like, I think I was 23 or 24 and they were all in like their early twenties, like 20 to 21, maybe even like 19 to 21. And we all kind of threw ourselves against the rocks in Squamish and like learned that way. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't really say that any of them were like my mentors. It was more just like we were like, oh, what do you want to go do today? Right. Oh, let's go do this. Like, right. Okay, let's let's do that. And then that happened for a little while. I would say like I kind of coasted into trad climbing for a long time and just like I didn't really have any mentors. The people who have most recently affected my um, my trad climbing And just like my climbing in general have been uh, my friends, Brittany, who is here and she's going to give a keynote speech actually later. And then Mary, who I've done a lot of the Girls Gone Wide stuff with. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, over the course of like my time on the road, like I was, you know, learning and teaching myself and like having people give me little tips, dating a few guys. And I kind of lost my stoke for climbing about and a half years ago and I got really freaked out and I had ripped some gear while doing uh, the Leaning Tower in Yosemite and it just like kind of screwed with my head and so I was like in a really bad place for about a year like I couldn't top rope I couldn't do anything and um, I didn't want to stop rock climbing but I could not force myself to keep going and I ended up right around the time of covid and this was like the peak of me not being able to rock climb because i was too Mm -hmm. freaked out like i was like literally like projecting 512s and then i could not top rope 510 in the gym i was like so afraid and i was like double checking my knot and like triple checking everything and just like shaking in my boots and like (laughs) it kind of feels like the universe just kind of like stopped me in my tracks because it was like here's COVID. I lost all of my paying clients. Um, my boy, the boy, the boy that I was living with, uh, in Reno at the time, he and I broke up and it was just like, you know, the unemployment insurance didn't come through all this stuff. So I, you know, drove out to Vitavoo uh, in 2020. I was like, cause I didn't have anywhere to go. I didn't have like a house. as was in my van. I couldn't stay with my mom. That wasn't safe for her. I drove out to Vitavoo and I immediately dislocated my shoulder and so I was like stuck in my van, no money, no job, no where to be in this pretty heinous place. Like no, VTV was great. I love it, but it's kind of insane. I mean, that would have been March. It was, uh, it was later than that. Cause okay. I actually was rafting the Grand Canyon okay. during the first three weeks of COVID. Okay. <laughs> uh, but it would have been, yeah, it was June, 2020. And okay. um, that's when I ended up hanging out with Brittany and Mary. And, I got really into climbing photography because I couldn't do anything else. And so I spent a lot of time photographing Brittany on her projects and just like talking to her about what's the, what what do you need mentally in order to be a good trad climber, Mm -hmm. you know? And she said something to me that like, I, it, it really stuck with me. And it's basically like, she said, sending is inevitable if you're willing to put in the work. And that really stuck with me. It was like, am I, are you willing to put in the work? If you get up, if you, if I walked up to Cobra crack today and spent the rest of my life literally doing only that, I could probably send it
1: and training for it. Yeah. And training for and it. Like, like that's doing you doing know, all the things.
2: Yeah. Like, but that was basically her point is like, are you willing to do that? And I was kind of like, Oh, like that's the, that's what it takes to be a rock climber, like to do anything really. Right. And at the time I wasn't really sending that hard because I was still terrified of, everything about rock climbing. But I basically took that mentality to this like V4 boulder problem in Vu. And I went to it every single day. And I, you know, I failed and then I'd come back and Brittany would be like, you know, it's, you know, sometimes it's just going to work and like, you're going to get it. You just have to keep trying. And eventually, I think it took me like two and a half weeks of just going there almost every day and like resting. I sent it and i really credit her with like the like kind of emotional support of like yeah you got this which was really cool so i would consider like britney to be like kind of a mental mentor um and then that same season i spent a lot of time with mary and uh she's got a lot of tricks for climbing like she has all the tricks like she knows exactly like the tape that she's going to wear and the shoes that she's going to wear and the carabiner she's going to use and whether or not she's going to extend them and the sleeves and how she wears her hair. Like every single thing that she has on her body before she goes onto a rock climb is like, has been prepared and has a reason. Right. And, uh, and that was another like tactic around rock climbing that I thought was really interesting for me specifically that I had never like considered before. Um, and so she spent a lot of time being like, Oh yeah, why don't you try a knee pad on this one? Or, "Oh, why don't you, you know, tape your hands like this, and that's kind of where um, I changed my attitude around rock climbing.
1: I I sort of like feel that philosophy that Mary has. I'm I'm a I'm sort of a stickler, cross your Ts, you yeah, know, curl your S's, sort of guy, and uh, dot your I's and whatever to get everything sorted out. That I think is going to be necessary. Even I always say you just sweat sweat the small things. Yeah, and but I pl- climb with plenty of people who don't. Um, so it's kind of a stylistic thing and get stuff done, yeah, you know, but i I'm definitely more of a I gotta have everything sort of sorted out, yeah and and I'll yeah, tape things exactly the way I want them. and yeah, so it's, that's that's kind of interesting. Um, I didn't know Mary well enough to get that deep when I interviewed her. Um, mm-hmm. but it was it was fun. So
2: yeah, I, I listened to hers yeah. uh, last when she did it. It was yeah. great.
1: She was in a transition as well.
2: That was actually right around the time that we met, oh, okay. like right around that time right. she was like moving out of her place yeah. in Moab.
1: Like literally, well, basically I kind of interrupted the, <laughs> the, the moving. Um, yeah. but yeah. So, you know, it sounds like you have, you get to a point where you're, I mean, becoming your own climber, right? Yeah. And, and obviously you're always going to learn from other people, but I mean, what were your goals and things you were out there doing? I mean, and, and I guess in that question is where did the office come in?
2: I think like the initial like intoxicating joy of trad climbing that I felt mm-hmm. was all around this like idea of sending and this idea of like onsighting. And so when I started trad climbing, like the only thing that mattered is that I could just walk up to something and do it. Mm-hmm. And I onsighted some, like, I think I was starting to onsite like, you know, easy 5.11s in my first year. And so that was like, you know, really empowering. I was like, yeah, I can do this. I'm good at this. Like, I'm going to onsite my first 5.12 this year. And uh, that never happened. I did not do that. (laughs) In my first year of trad climbing, I did not do that. But I began I, uh, began to hold myself to a standard that was mentally like untenable. And like, I think a lot of people have this in trad climbing where like sending is super important yeah like I think um I had a really like unsustainable mental space around trad climbing where I was like, I just have to be able to like walk up and on site um and if I can't on site it, then I'm never gonna do it again, and I'm a failure,
1: oh, so you were like rocking like circa nineteen
2: seventy four a little
1: stone masters like. <laughs>
2: I mean, I did do a lot or of rock climbing Eldo. in, in uh, Joshua Tree. Right. So Elda
1: that... was was famous for that, too. In oh, the really? 70s, yeah. I've
2: yeah. only climbed there once. Yeah, you don't get to try again. Scary.
1: You fell, you died. Basically, they were... they The rope was... Sim- they were simulating uh, soloing. And so if you really? fell, you were metaphorically dead and you couldn't come and do that route again. So Ever? Ever.
2: Really? Yeah. If you fell, you were that, banned? I mean,
1: you know, those... There's like three or four guys, mm-hmm. including Jim Erickson, who who were were proponents of that oh my god and wow. they got very good at down climbing because they would get up there and if they didn't feel it they would down climb the whole
2: route interesting so
1: but it's it's That's it, pure yeah but it's interesting that what was this four years ago five years ago what is
2: it what year is it? it's 2022, 2022. i think it was 2017 yeah 2018
1: so you had this attitude in 2017 2018 of like yeah yeah, yeah. where did that come from
2: i i honestly think it was something to do with like like i had really tied my self-worth to being okay at this sport right and being new at it like i think that because i was fairly good at it within my first year it was kind of like an identity thing Mm -hmm. and i had nothing to you know we talked about how like i kind of exploded my life back home and i was like this is my life now and i'm good at this and this is who i am um and like i need to be the best and like you know, I had a lot of that kind of ego around I need to be not just like passable, but like good. But also, I mean, I don't know, I, I did climb a lot in Joshua Tree and you know, ran with some crustier people. But yeah, I really do think it was an ego thing. Okay. It was really an ego thing. And I got a lot of validation for being good and like kind of acting like that at the time. And so that kind of reinforced it. Oh, just she's like, old school. Yeah, like just like from yeah. the people around yeah, me. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I think also, like, being a woman in trad climbing Mm -hmm. was kind of still a little bit unique. And so people were like, whoa, that's cool. This girl can crush." But it also, like, really messed with my head and my self-worth and was not sustainable. And, like, I developed a lot of, like, anxiety around it. And it was, like, when I failed and when I couldn't on site, it wasn't like, oh, I didn't do the climb. It was like, I'm a failure like I I failed because I'm not good enough and that was like that was that's just shitty and I I really like I see that in people because I do some clinics now Mm -hmm. like I see that energy in people or like oh I can't do this like I'm a failure and I have spent a lot of time trying to separate myself from that mentality just because like that's not good like that's not good for you but yeah like from from there I basically that was where I started in trad climbing emotionally mentally and then I kind of like started doing harder and harder stuff, got into some big walling. I did a little bit of that, ripped my first piece of gear and it just kind of like stopped me in my tracks mentally. And uh, that was what I was talking about earlier where I had this like extreme, like downward descent mentally from climbing. And I got into off with climbing because you can try really hard, which is what I love about climbing. And you are almost always able to keep yourself on top rope by essentially bumping the cam in front of you. Right. And so like to my brain that was like freaking out about leading above gear. I was like, oh, like I can do this because this is safe. Uh, And I actually like I'm I don't know if I'm one of the few people, but I don't see people whip in off with very often but I do whip out of off Um, because I feel pretty comfortable with my gear like right in front of me or right above me. And I guess that's not really a whip. Like if you were a sport climbing, you would not call that a whip, but like in trad climbing, whipping is a yeah, little bit you different. You sort of slither down onto them. Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
1: I'll ask you this question. Yeah. I ask all my off-with people yeah. on here is, have you ever or ever seen a person take a full feet above the piece whipper onto a big bro?
2: No. Nope. (laughs) I've never seen it. I've never done it. I've heard of it. And I think it's BS. Yeah. I I think it's a lie. (laughs) Like,
1: you know, not one of the ones we're talking about where you're like, like, you of slither down and you're like, okay, is it going to hold? But actual flying through the air. No, no, I don't think it. I don't think it's ever happening. Maybe Craig Lubin did them.
2: <laughs> every uh big bro that i've ever seen placed or ever placed immediately pops out of the crack upon taking at the chains yeah because it just like the tension of the rope goes ping right. and it just pulls it out yeah so.
1: so i just i just think it's funny because yeah i i called out publicly for the video i'm like if it has happened <laughs> it's it on video <laughs> so let's just see it
2: i haven't seen yeah. it
1: i know I- no nope.
2: Uh, uh, i have a friend who swears that he whipped on a gold big bro and i just i'm like all right whatever
1: how big is the gold one?
2: the gold ones are like bigger than the eight they're like this big 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 ones
1: yeah i know know. anyway so um (laughs) i think it's pretty easy to kind of take shots at off with because it up to this point and this is gonna gonna come back to you like or up to the point where you kind of engage with it it was just like everything about it was like how gnarly it was mm-hmm. and, you know if you don't if you hate yourself like being off with her yeah and like there's scarpelli like yeah you know ready to punch people if they if they you know like near ears off with they like what i mean that whole thing was all mixed i mean yeah. all in northern i was up in northern uh colorado somewhat close to vado and some of those folks were down there um and then i think it's funny because what you guys have done is sort of like just open it up as this more playful thing, yeah. And you know, and even that, like, I like your your admission that you like off was because I can basically top up the whole thing with the gear, <laughs> above me, you know, which yeah. is the opposite of the olden times of being like, it's heinous, you know. Yeah. But and I I realize physically it's very difficult and it's yeah. very heinous, but um, I just think it's cool that you guys seem to have a much more sense of humor about it than it traditionally has.
2: Yeah, I mean, I. I came to the off with scene because like I needed it and I think definitely getting into it initially, I really played into the whole like, yeah, hate yourself and climb hard. And it's all about drinking and pain and the, the, the worse you are inside, the better you are out like as a climber. Right. And I just, I get so tired of it now. Like I just, I'm like, no, this is a fun, like legitimately off with is fun. Like I wish I'm I'm we're rebranding. We're rebranding off with That's
1: what you're doing. Yeah. Because I mean, Yeah. <laughs> it's if, fucking fun. If it's not conscious, that's what you guys are doing. Yeah. And I think it's great because it's yeah, it it's not just universally horrible no. thing to do. You know?
2: Everyone gets their first like knee lock mm-hmm. and is like, This isn't going anywhere. Right. This is awesome. You know? And like You know, we like climbing. Right. Like we love, you know, finger cracks and sport climbing Mm -hmm. and everything because it is hard and you do try hard and then you succeed. And like you're never trying harder than when you're in and off with. But yeah, I appreciate you saying that because, yeah, I also I get so bored with the like, oh, you got to be like kind of fucked up to climb off with. It's like, no, like some of the nicest, most genuinely chill, cool people that I know are like some of the hardest off with climbers in the world. Like Danny and Ashley, they are normal people (laughs) who are happy and love themselves. And they are also probably the strong one of some of the strongest off with climbers in the world. (laughs)
1: Well, yeah. And they they kind of have their their (laughs) own vibe of it's like possible for everyone. Yeah. You know, like you can learn how to do this.
2: I also just like I resist the idea that it's like this dark art, too. Mm -hmm. I really do think that like the old guard in off with climbing spent a lot of time trying to like hide their secrets mm-hmm. and make it seem like they were these like mysterious badasses and it's like there is technique to it like anything like climbing mm-hmm. finger cracks mm-hmm. you know like yeah. you know elbows in knees out kind of thing like it's the same thing with off with like there's just technique that's different than most other trad climbing right you know
1: yeah and and you know it's it's created kind of a a rift between various withing clubs it's uh, i i, I kind of j- Think about them as like motorcycle clubs, yeah. Like you know the Hell's Angels versus whoever the Hell's Angels were again. <laughs> I don't even know. That's the only one ever, anyone ever knows. The Bloods and the Crips, maybe, yeah. or, or the actually, let's keep it light. It's the um, it's the
2: gates in or gates out.
1: Yeah, get or the Jets and the what's the 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 what's Oh, the Sharks and the, the Jets. The Sharks and the Jets. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, so it's it's just you know, Andrew and I have have enjoyed kind of watching it all go down. <laughs> but so then yeah then tom and pete show up mm-hmm. out of like a cellar and 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 that that actually was a real pivot too when these two yes british guys come in out of a cellar uh, training in the cellar and basically do a tour where they send Everything. almost all the hardest routes it's off with yeah in like record time yeah which cracks two things cracks the 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 um off with myth a little bit but it also cracks the um Americans are like, it's our sport, track yeah. climbing, you know, yeah. in general. And off with thing had been seen even more so as like,
2: this, this like hardcore American sport. yeah,
1: Western American sport, you know? And, yeah. uh, yeah. So that's when it like really was crumbling. Yeah. To, and the thing I, it, I think it did, <clears throat> which was good, is that it said, you no, know, anybody can climb these. Yeah, You know, I mean, no, we're great, but you can, you can figure it out. Yeah. And it's not, And look at us. I mean, they never looked like they were having a horrible time except for in the the century crack.
2: Yeah, that was pretty bad. Yeah. I mean, but also, like, I, I do want to acknowledge that, like, there was a time when, you know, the people who were climbing off with back in the day were really pushing the envelope. And, like, some of the stuff that they did without modern cams and, you know, on hexes and with, like, the shoe technology that they had, like that is really impressive and hardcore. And, you know, I don't want to like say that, Oh, they're all liars and they're all, you know, pretending it's hard when like, you know, the, the stuff they were doing Mm -hmm. was truly inspirational and truly unbelievable. Like there are some off wits that I do now that I'm like, I cannot believe that people did this on hexes, like, or, you know, on uh, pieces of two by four hammered into the crack. Like that is truly bold and strong and just absolutely impressive. But yeah, like I do think things are changing, and like I think climbing—I don't know—you talk to more climbers than I do, but like I think climbing in general is becoming more like inclusive and open, and like we want to bring people in, and like yeah, everyone can do this kind of thing.
1: Yeah, I, it totally is, and, but there's plenty of people for whom that's you know an issue, yeah. Um, especially if it if it sort of knocks away some of the foundation of um, what we were talking about earlier, where your like yeah. whole identity is this climber and you know, your greatest achievements. I mean, it's the, it's the running joke. Your yeah, your, your greatest achievement gets done by a a 13 year old gym rat. You know, it's like,
2: (laughs) you get onsighted. Yeah. Yeah. It's like, you gotta take
1: that. And I mean, what are you going to do with it? You're going to get super crusty. Yeah. Sometimes, or you can get crusty for a while and then just get over it. Um, I mean, it's hard not to be a little bit shot in your ego.
2: Yeah. I mean, that's fair
1: your intellect should say that it was still rad when you did it then because it was the top yeah or whatever you do you know what i mean like there's a neat there's there's it just takes the right personality to be able to go Oh well you know and then you can keep your stories about how you did it on a two by four yeah and no but nobody's gonna do it on a two by four now
2: yeah i mean that's impressive like yeah Pipeline, or whatever that big thing is, that went is up in Squamish. Mm. I think, like, the first ascensionist only climbed it on hammered in two by fours or something like right. that. And it's like, you know, a couple hundred feet off the deck. And, like, <laughs> that's really awesome. Like, it definitely can't take, like, right. that's not going to do anything. So, you are at that point soloing, but I'm going to do pipeline this summer and I'm definitely going to bring. My big cams. <laughs>
1: yeah, do big cams work in it?
2: I think so. I right. Well, you know, maybe I'll bring a two by four, but right. I have a seven and I'm pretty sure that that goes. Two by fours are really expensive right now. so. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, easier to come by than a yeah. seven and an eight. Those have been out of stock for
1: oh, like yeah, the big two ins. years. Yeah, The big ones. Yeah. You don't have any? I got a seven. Oh, okay.
2: I got a seven like in 2020, right before they went back out of stock. Huh. But I have friends with eights, but I don't have an eight.
1: I wonder how many of those they made.
2: I think they only made like 150 or something. Oh, really? I mean, that's my assumption because they've been sold out for two years,
1: right? Huh?
2: And then the you know the supply chain got messed up, and it's hard to get that much metal.
1: Yeah, apparently because they don't have much of anything. But no. um. <laughs> okay, well let's let's place you in this whole um, internet van life thing. As yes. Well. Because again, I think that's where I first saw you, and then first dismissed you. And then <laughs> not like some, some cancellation, but I was like, yeah. Oh, she's doing cool stuff. And I'm not going to like pay too much attention to yeah. it. Um, because there was like, it w- there was like this kind of moment of like a lot of people like that. Yeah. It felt like, yeah. Um, and who's in, 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 in my history of climbing, I know all about the flash in the pan and, mm-hmm. the, you know, and the self promoter and all those sorts of things. So it's like, For me and for the show, it's like I kind of keep waiting for something to rise up that's like more interesting. And I think your longevity with it is is one thing that's I mean, it's been as interesting as anything because you've been in here for a while. I mean, in and out. Yeah. Six years. Yeah. That's a pretty good push, actually. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me about I mean, what you decided to do with that image and what you decided that you could, you know, do professionally with. With the van. With the van, with the one chick travels. um. Yeah.
2: I think like, you know, what came first, Instagram or the van life hashtag. The van thing, I think, you know, I was young when I started doing it. And Instagram was like, you know, another source of validation. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I got all this serotonin from people being like, wow, your van is so cool. This is great. Like, I really appreciate it. And uh, I did a lot of van life build out videos. So those got really popular on YouTube. I don't know if you've ever seen those, but it's basically just like I documented the process for how I built my van out. And I think that's kind of where the whole presence came from. Yeah, that was like another kind of like ego source of validation thing. I mean, how can it not be right? Like, it's literally just like, here's my life and people telling me that they like it. And I think for a long time, the trad climbing and Instagram like fed into each other like there was this kind of positive feedback loop of like there's not a lot of women in trad climbing i got to show people that i was trad climbing and i felt really good about it and like i don't think it was really much deeper than that for a very long time and then as i started to take trad climbing more seriously and living on the road more seriously honestly like the whole instagram thing has really become a networking tool for meeting people that i'm genuinely interested in meeting and i actually somewhat recently changed up my Instagram format and like I'm pretty much posting like videos of me climbing and memes and in a lot of ways it was like a response to just kind of like again like the the bs like I was looking at like what I what would be my legacy on the internet and I was like it's just photos of me talking about my feelings and talking about my van and like aren't we all sick of that? Like, aren't we all sick of like (laughs) one more person living a beautiful life and talking about how hard it is. And, and I wanted to create value and I wanted to have fun with it again. And so I was like, fuck it. It's memes now. And yeah. And like, honestly, like it, it weeds out a lot of people. I do think that like, I am not as prolific as some of my friends who Mm -hmm. do Instagram more seriously for like Mm -hmm. their business and their, you know, their work and their kind of personal image. And I do think I lose a lot of people because I have strong opinions, you know, and I make kind of edgy jokes. But I think that it keeps the people around that I want to connect with. Like, I would rather lose people who aren't interested in me anyway. And yeah, I don't know. I think it's fun again. Like, I'm having fun with this app. And that's the po- that's the whole point, right? right? Like, I can connect with people like you and be like, hey, we like trad climbing. Let's meet up at the F- Climbers Festival. But I can also, like, make a stupid joke and just say, like, fuck it, we ball. You know, like, <laughs> just like... So, yeah, I don't know. I'm not allowed to curse on this podcast. Fuck yeah. Fuck yeah. Okay, good. Uh, So, yeah, I don't know. Is that kind of answering the question? Yeah,
1: well, I kind of was wondering, too, where it fits into your professional life and how you, you you know, how you sustain your fabulous...
2: How do I uh, pay for it all? (laughs) Yeah, I mean, I am a writer. Right. So, I... I write for Outdoor ProLink. I write for the local paper in Moab. Um, I write for a couple different companies in Moab, like outdoor companies, like do their blog posts and Mm -hmm. stuff like that. Mm -hmm. Right now, I'm making a lot of money off of my T-shirt sales.
0: Nice.
2: And um, I make make a very small amount of money from like YouTube ads and Instagram. They have a new feature where you get paid for reels. And then legit. I do clinics with Mary mm-hmm. um, twice a year. So I get a little bit from there. I do photography with She Moves Mountains. So I make some money from that. And uh, I'm releasing some films. So I get like sponsorship money. Like I source, I right. like research and reach out to people and say, hey, do you want to be a part of this film? And they give me a little bit of cash. Mm-hmm. So I am paying for it. I, I'm i not living the rich and fabulous lifestyle of uh, an, a you know, popular Instagram influencer. Right. If that was the the, the question. I mean, I don't know how it works. Like, yeah.
1: I don't know. I mean, I know how it works. I just don't know what the income is from having a certain amount of followers. Yeah. You know, and how high it has to get. Yeah. For it to be actual money versus, I think the tens of you know hundred one one ten thousandths of a cent kind of money.
2: My friend Bo is probably eventually going to like make a career out of instagram
1: okay the
2: mustache you got the mustache yeah he's got like 134 000 yeah with the mullet yeah yeah he i think he will eventually make a living off of instagram Mm -hmm. um and that's just from sponsorships like he can eventually get to a point where he's asking people for like real money okay um i actually try not to do sponsorships on my instagram i don't really want to be like a influencer Mm -hmm. and i i like really do treat it like a networking tool Mm -hmm. and so i guess from there i do make some you know, some money. Cause I'll be like, you know, I'll connect with a brand and I'll be like, Oh, do you need a writer? Like, Oh, can I write for your blog? Or, you know, do you want to work together? Mm-hmm. So it's a little bit more like that. Essentially I'm a freelancer right? who just like uses Instagram as a networking mm-hmm. tool to mm-hmm. reach people. I mean, I can't deny that it has brought me a lot of opportunities, right? Right? Like that would be naive for me to just say, I did it all on my own, you know, like, well, yeah,
1: but it's a tool that you're using. So yeah. You are still doing it on your own.
2: Yeah, for yeah. sure. Yeah.
1: yeah. Um, I always have the the parental question.
2: Okay. Um, of,
1: I, I don't know what your situation is with your folks, but yeah, you know, this life seem a reasonable choice for you to them, or are they both around still?
2: Yes, yes, my parents are still around. My dad's in Portland. I'm gonna go visit him after this festival. Mm-hmm. My mom uh, is currently in Canada, and yeah, no, my parents were super supportive. Okay, I think they would they'd want me to be around more. Like they wish that I was physically closer to them Mm -hmm. but they understand that like this is you know this was always something i wanted to do and i think that if i wasn't like making something of myself they'd be a little bit more like what are you doing but yeah i've always been you know writing and creating films and doing projects and i think they're like as long as it makes you happy
1: oh that's good you know that's nice those kind of parents are nice
2: yeah i I feel really lucky because i know a lot of my friends who like hit the road were like yeah my parents just want me to get a job and they're not happy with this, and you know that can be challenging. I, I mean
1: that that's real common in my in the podcasting too. Yeah, talking to people for whom their parents were not. Yeah. Not exactly pleased that they didn't finish law school or whatever.
2: Yeah. <laughs>
1: <laughs> but yeah. I mean, aside from the career end of things, mm-hmm. you know, we we were talking earlier about being a woman on on her own mm-hmm. on the road wasn't you know, wasn't that common through the early part of my climbing career. Yeah. Um, occasionally happened. Someone truly like going place to place alone was unusual and it's not unusual now, but when you started it is still a growing thing. Well how did they feel about that? I mean a typical mom or dad would be like, You can't go out there and <laughs> like these places by yourself. Your like own. yeah. Did they have a any sort of safety concerns or they felt like you could take care of yourself?
2: Well, I think I, um, I kind of like did some like exposure therapy with that because I actually spent four months in India alone when I was 20, Mm -hmm. right before I hit the road. And I think that was much more stressful for For them. Um, maybe for you. Yeah. It was a little bit more stressful for me. (laughs) I have some good stories from that time period in my life, but yeah, I spent some time alone traveling abroad Mm -hmm. and I think that, you know, my parents are a little bit more like, She's going to do whatever she's going to do. Like, let's just hold on and tell her that we love her kind of thing. Funnily enough, like most of the concern that I get from people would be from like friends or, um, parent, friends of like parents, friends, friends, parents Mm -hmm. would be like, are you okay? Like, are you doing this? And honestly, like I don't spend that much time alone on the road. Like I, like, and if you've, you've done that, you've dirtbagged, like it's like, you're alone in your vehicle, but like, you know, right now I'm parked with like five people that I have been climbing with for the last three and a half years. And like, we're going to spend, you know, the next couple of weeks together. So it's like, or I guess actually I'm leaving on Monday, so we're not, but right. you know, like I know all these people really well and mm-hmm. I'm not alone mm-hmm. in any, you're not alone in yeah, any sort of uh, the word.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, cause I think about it even, I mean, well, let me say this, the, you know, because that was really what was like, at least it when I started climbing, it was still in an era that, you know, a, a dude could just do it and nobody, yeah. nobody had an eyelash. But if a woman was doing it, it was like, oh, my God. Yeah. You know, you're going to get picked up and raped and all these different things. Yeah. you know. It, and that's that specter hasn't gone away. Yeah. But now more women are doing it. But it was just unfair in a lot of ways. Right. Yeah. Um, except for the fact that statistically. You know, yeah, I mean, it like, was more likely that
2: you got to be smart. Yeah,
1: yeah, exactly. But so think, it wasn't like without unfounded fear and yeah. still. Oh, for sure. Certainly guys can get robbed and shot and things yeah. like that. But there's this whole other level with women. I mean, have you been out there with the good and the bad in terms of that? Have oh, you, for have sure. Have you felt situations that you were like, OK, maybe yeah. I should move out of this. Maybe I should keep an eye on that or, you know, yeah. what, what what are you doing in, in terms of that when you're out there?
2: Well, um, I mean, yeah, I mean, I've been through the good and the bad, like any woman who's been on the road on her own. And I mean, like, I have a restraining order against someone in the climbing community Mm -hmm. for, um, you know, like, stalking reasons. And yeah, I mean, like, I don't, like, have any, like, specifically gory stories or whatever Mm -hmm. that I even want to get into. But I think that it's an inherent risk. But honestly, and... I this is actually kind of a privilege on my part. I do live in a metal box that has a lock on it right. that I can drive away at any point. And so a lot of times when I have felt like uncomfortable or, you know, like, Oh, this is a weird vibe. I literally just like shut my door, turn on my car and I drive away to a new place. Right. Um, And I think like that is very different from a lot of women just like in life who deal with like, you know, misogyny and sexism and, you know, the fear of abduction Mm -hmm. you know they have like routines and patterns and people they see all the time and like you know from a statistically it's actually a lot easier to like abduct someone if you know where they're gonna be Mm -hmm. right and so like in a lot of ways living in a van i think actually has empowered women to travel because they're like very very safe like unless you're willing to like take a hammer to my window as i'm driving away from you and like you know do something like that's That's pretty intense. Like, that takes a lot of, that's a lot of escalation very quickly, you know. But, uh, you know, it's funny you mention that because when I first hit the road, I thought that I was going to be the only woman. Like, I very much had this perception that it was going to be me and a bunch of dudes. And honestly, I went to Indian Creek and there were dozens of women in their vans. Mm -hmm. And... I actually started a, I have a one chick travel series on my YouTube channel, which is literally interviews with solo female travelers that I've mm-hmm. met on the road. Mm-hmm. And like, I talk about their build outs and I talk about how cool they are and what they're doing for money. Cause everybody wants to know. And like, it's pretty cool and like pretty empowering for me to be able to like meet with these women and be like, wow, you guys have some like amazing stories. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's like it, you guys, yeah.
1: it's like there was a era of a few years and then you, you were all coming from different directions and, and, and then about yeah the mid aughts it was like okay yeah they're they're here and literally ten years before that well and also the the sprinter changed a lot
2: the sprinter changed a lot
1: yeah so and that wasn't around I mean you could have gotten a line but when you can't stand up in your rig it's just not as good no but um and the, and it's funny how i was just thinking how like the sprinter just made it more classy. Yeah. If you were in an Econoline, it was there was all there'll all be jokes about your like pedo van or whatever. Like, <laughs> for some reason like yeah, the sprinter. a Sprinter maybe because it had originally had Mercedes on it or whatever. It's classy. Yeah, it's classier. It's like you're allowed to get away with it, but um but yeah, so I mean, what about when you were you sort of talking with these women and, and yourself like, I mean, do you ha- does are any of these women packing heat or like you <laughs> know, re- re- I mean, does anybody go that far as to have uh, if not if, if not guns, you know, sort of uh, a heavy ma- mace, stuff yeah. like that?
2: I mean, I I think mace is a bad idea in a small, closed space.
1: Yeah, you get yourself. Just because yeah. you
2: get yourself, too. But uh, I do know some women who travel with guns. Um, most women, though, travel with big dogs. Yeah. That's kind of like the thing that I had never really considered mm-hmm. when I left honestly, I didn't think about it much. Like the whole like danger thing. I was just kind of like, I'll just drive away if I need to, Mm -hmm. you know? Um, But yeah, a lot of women that I have interviewed travel with big dogs and like, that's kind of the, the deterrent because you're much less likely to mess with someone if they have like a freaking Rottweiler or even a German shepherd, you know? Um, But really like, you know, and this speaks to the climbing community, but like there's the safety in the climbing community, Mm -hmm. right? Like, you know, we're in numbers. I so much, I would so much rather park, in any, you know, gym parking lot in any state in this country, um, than like a Walmart parking lot. Right. Right. Because like, if I go to literally any gym in the world, probably with my van, I'll be like, Oh yeah, there's other people like me sleeping here as well. And if something happens, like, you know, I can honk my horn loudly or I can, you know, bang on the doors of people, but they help. Mm -hmm. Um, and that would even be extreme. Like I can't imagine something like that happening, but yeah i mean i'm sure it does right it has right, right. like there's like that whole big gabby petito thing that girl was a van lifer and you know she was killed by her boyfriend
1: i think that's probably more the k those things is as, as opposed to just some random psycho yeah it's usually emanating from you know the enemy is within as it were uh, yeah. i mean so much of that becomes domestic yeah stuff um did they ever catch that dude
2: I think that he they, killed himself, and are, then they caught him. Or they found like, him. They found his body.
1: Like had it been eaten or something.
2: He like he was, yeah, in like a glade in right. Florida or something like right. that.
1: But yeah, I mean, it's interesting because I don't. Uh, it's not my perspective, and but I did the same thing. I was a high school kid who wanted a van, and this was in would have been in 1987. I think I got this van. Yeah, and because of influence of a of a friend who was an out dorsy person and he had a van yeah so it was like way pre-van life but then you know i was 20 by or 19 when i left that drove out to colorado and stuff and like a 19 year old boy i'm just like i'm not not like concerned at all (laughs) about danger about
2: anything yeah you know
1: (laughs) i remember my mom was like you know sleep at oh no no i was like i'm gonna sleep at some rest stops and my mom was like no I i watched those shows like people get abducted from wet rest stops all the time, you know? Yeah. I was like, okay, mom, but then I, <laughs> then I, I, uh, I sta- stayed at this rest stop. I think I was in Kansas because I was going the low route because it was winter and sure enough, like I wake, I'm in the back of my van. I wake up and there's like flashing lights. Oh God, yeah. And I, and I like sit up and like get through the windows all cold. Yeah. And I'm all mummified because yeah. it's like in the winter time and I, and I like look out and sure enough, there's these, there's this car that was a little ways behind me. There's these two, two cars like blocked it in front and back Two cop cars. Yeah. Guys on the hood with the gun, like pointing the dude. And, uh, you know, and he hadn't, they had just shit. flipped lights on to wake him up. And they're like, attention, attention. And they're like, keep your hands
0: on the wheel. Keep
1: your oh hands on my God. The wheel on the wheel. The dudes have all their guns out. And I'm just like peeking out my back door. Oh my you know? God. Yeah, so funny. Oh
2: my God. And So
1: uh, they, they, pulled him out of the car cuffed him you know oh my put him God. in for
2: sleeping or was he doing something else? no no
1: he was somebody they were after oh okay yeah, no he, it wasn't like the yosemite rangers like dude you gotta leave oh it was like full-on cops yeah and then yeah they they took him away so he was he was clearly a, some sort of felon they were after but it just and then it just proved my mom's point yeah like i was you so know did you knows? stop
2: sleeping at rest stops no but
1: <laughs> i also had a i was armed so it was all right but <laughs> but i mean it's like who knows maybe it's like some serial killer yeah maybe that was like just, just getting a little rest before he came and cut my head off you know? You, yeah, yeah, you know yeah yeah so anyhow but i it, but it is fascinating because the uh, the what i was getting at is is that the a, a woman traveling alone i don't care if it's in her van or on yeah. an airplane or or in another country whatever yeah has all these other considerations for sure yeah and um i've always kind of been curious about who's like relax about them and who's real serious about them yeah when they're out here
2: i mean i wouldn't say i'm lax about no. them i just think it speaks more to like the you know resiliency resiliency and like the badassery of the women that you mm-hmm. see mm-hmm. you know because like you know the average dirtbag woman is you know already going through more hurdles than like the average dirtbag guy right? and so like I think it's incredibly powerful and mm-hmm. like inspiring when I see women just like crushing hard living on the road doing their own thing because like you know they got to that point you know with so much more to go right. than just like you know the average Joe doing it and not to say that they're not impressive too but just like you know that's what inspires me
0: yeah
1: I mean we all have our wherever we grew up we have our tracks that we're supposed to be on yeah and we have to break those tracks yeah and <laughs> Oh, there she
2: is. (laughs) Hey, Mary. Hi, Mary. Hey, Sam. (laughs) What's going
1: on?
0: Uh, I didn't realize I was interrupting the Enormo cast. My bad. Okay. (laughs) Are you going to
2: keep that in there? Of course. Oh. Okay. Okay.
0: I'm going to stare at you intently.
2: Happy birthday, Sam yeah (laughs) sam just turned 30 awesome yeah happy birthday
0: we're all turning 30 this
2: year i did it first sam did it next kaya's next i'm on the chopping block to turn 30 bye guys
1: yeah so i guess what i was gonna say is like yeah there's all these paths that you're supposed to take and yeah and the super common theme i've heard from all climbers is that somewhere they realize like that wasn't me like I couldn't yeah. do the either professional track or school track or yeah. sports track. But then I th- think women have all that same stuff, but then they also have mom yeah. and getting married. It's yeah. more like pressure on you, even though it takes a guy yeah. or a girl, if, if, <laughs> if need be, Yeah. If, um, giving birth. And like if you're religious, there's been more pressure on them to, to do something else. And yeah. maybe that was sort of the lag, not just in the band life, but in climbing in general. Um, In terms of what we're looking at now, which is you mentioned being in Indian Creek and feeling like there was just loads of women. And I I, honestly, I don't have statistics for it, but I feel like weekends there are 50 50 these days. Yeah, I would say so. Yeah.
2: And that has even improved in like, you know, I've been going to Indian Creek for five or six years. and Like that's even improved upon, like since I've started going Mm -hmm. there, I feel like I climb now with like strong female trad climbers in abundance and like before it was more just like me and a few people mm-hmm. uh, which i think is great i'm psyched on it and i also live in my own little bubble because i'm constantly like on the hunt for female trad climbers like if i see you and i'm like hey let's go rock climbing <laughs> i'll like throw a rock at you from across a parking lot and <laughs> drag you out with me <laughs> well i think it's been like
1: you guys have benefited from that because i think you asking women to go climbing with them is much more effective than guys asking guys to go climbing with them. Yeah, like you, it's definitely a supportive. I was you recently. I'll help you. Yeah. kind of thing. That's that's awesome. And mm-hmm. you guys, now that there's more of you, you're really benefiting from it. Yeah. Um. And obviously, if a guy asks a girl to go climbing, there's maybe some sort of like, why does he? Is it a, a date? Is it, is a it date? not a date? So, yeah, yeah date, not a date. Thing, yeah. So. I mean, Mm -hmm. the fact that you can wander around and see groups of women means you get to go climbing. I mean, has anyone ever said no?
2: No, no.
1: (laughs) And I mean, a group of guys, if you walked up for other reasons, they wouldn't say no. no, Yeah. Yeah,
2: (laughs) No one's ever said they didn't want to go climbing. with Yeah.
1: (laughs) And it's funny because I talk to people all the time who are like, can I find partners? I'm like, if you walk up and ask, you will find partners. Oh, yeah. Um, Sometimes, I mean, it's getting into like a, a... sport duo and like fucking it up into a threesome is is it's kind of rude to even do that yeah <laughs> so but as far as group climbing the way it goes on down there at the creek yeah just jump yeah. in we're all going
2: i mean i know. was climbing in castleton one time mm-hmm. and the party below me picked up one from the party below them oh really so it was like we were on top and they were climbing up and they were like a party of three with two ropes and i was like where did what how did this happen and they're like oh yeah this guy's like friends left him at the top of pitch one because they didn't want to keep going oh really so he just like hitchhiked with the next group that's cool
1: yeah "Yeah, rock climbing you know (laughs) um all right let me just finish with this for sure for sure van life van life give me the give me the goods give me the the strikes and the gutters the the goods and the bads and sometimes well maybe those things are the same thing depending on the day
2: The goods are, it's, my bed is so comfortable and it's pretty warm in the winter. That's rad. I love having people in my van. Um, I love having the ability to stand up and cook. Um, I love being able to lock my van and drive away. Uh, the bads, I've dropped four transmissions out of this bad boy. (laughs) I, you know, I have literally been through it all when it comes to like horror stories with mechanics, um, and getting, you know, breakdowns, cops called on me, you know, getting pulled out of my van in the night by police, uh, ranger, you know, like all the, all the things that's all happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and all of it sucks, but yeah, I mean like it's, it's the good and the bad. It's, it's, it's what you get when you're on the road. I mean like, yeah, there's things that are better about sleeping in a tent because you're lighter and you can hitchhike and go quickly. But you know, when it rains, I have a nice dry place to hang out. I get a lot of people, actually, probably the most annoying thing is I get a lot of people who are like, oh, did your dad buy you this van? I'm like, fuck, no. (laughs) Fuck you. (laughs) I built my van. (laughs) I bought it myself with my own money.
1: (laughs) Did you get it used?
2: Yeah, yeah, I got it used. And I got really lucky. This thing was only $11,000 when I bought it. Right. Which is crazy because nowadays, like a used Sprinter, like you, even with nothing in it, it'll be like in the 10s, 20s thousand dollars like get they're crazy expensive now but okay I only had to pay for one of the transmissions because okay. they were all warranted. Oh, so I, I did have to like you know shell out all of my savings I literally when my transmission dropped out I ended that mechanic experience with seven hundred dollars to my name oh. and ten thousand dollars student loans and I was just like all right here we go gotta figure it out so most of my van life time i was extremely poor (laughs) (laughs) and then uh being a
1: a, um internet figure Mm
0: -hmm.
1: how do you sort of sort through the good and the bad there and give me a little bit idea of like the percentage that's like harping on climbing versus giving you props for climbing yeah and then you know obviously there's going to be some trolls like real creepy trolls for sure as well so what's your I mean, everybody has like a way to do it. I talked to Jenny Fisher about this as well. Mm -hmm. Um, uh, And and how does it affect you?
2: I think it used to affect me a lot. Mm -hmm. I was actually thinking about this the other day because I remember I posted a video on YouTube years ago about like the full build out. And it's like a time-lapse video of the whole thing going from nothing to completely built out. And I remember being so proud and being like, this is amazing. I made something great. I you know just built this van out. And someone commented like, this is shit. You're going to tear it out within a year. And it like I just remember it cut me so deep at the time and I was just like destroyed and I just obsessed over it. I thought about it. I thought about it. Even to the point where a year later to the day I like went back and commented, responded and was like, I'm still living in my van, (laughs) you know, and like it's just like it used to bug me. Now I think people are better at self-selecting. I think making myself a little bit less palatable is good. Uh, like with you know like the the bad jokes the memes right. um you know strong political opinions like i think people unfollow just like out of habit like they're like i don't want to deal with this right. stuff. and so you know part of like the presence that i curate is to like keep people that are going to be shitty to me away because i'm going to be like oh you're just going to expect this steady flow of like extremely leftist memes mm-hmm. and the other half is that i'm extremely liberal with the block button i don't tolerate any sort of bad vibes from anyone i don't care who it is like you could be you know you could be a famous rock climber you could be someone who's like would be an amazing connection for me to have but if i like have a slight just the smallest bad vibe like i'll just block you because you look at we look at our phones all day long and i literally just look at it and feel like a sense of shame about everything like i'm like oh the environment Mm -hmm. women's rights Mm -hmm. you know the supreme court like everything it's just like wow this feels bad this feels bad this feels bad and I don't have time for that on Instagram like or in my like my extended social network, which is, you know, in the social media platforms that I use. So I'm very liberal with the block button Um, and I just kind of developed a thick skin over time. I would rather give my attention to the people who are appreciative of my work and my life and the things that I have to say. And so I don't really engage with people who are shitty. If someone says something shitty to me, I'll be like, this is shitty. And then I move on and say, like, respond to the person right after them who said something really positive. And I'm right. like, that's the person I'm going to give my attention to.
1: So another question, I just had James Lucas on. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and in some ways, like even earlier in this, I was like, she's sort of like the the girl, James Lucas. <laughs> <Yeah>. um,
2: <laughs> wow. <laughs> just like a,
1: just the, the life and I- what you what you observe <laughs> and what you're into. And like when you talked about leaving, because like, yeah. We built this van, then we broke up, and then I lost my job, and then I like that. That yeah. whole thing was, I mean, literally what James and I just talked about. Oh, really? In his life, Yeah. Oh, so. that's funny. But, um, but we also talked about dating. Dating. Yeah. Yeah. And, and this is, you know, sort of voyeuristic because I'm 51, I have a kid, and <laughs> I'm basically married. And, mm-hmm. But, like, is that an important part of this life to you? Meeting someone? Or are you? Are you just like with? Are you with someone now?
2: I have a partner. Okay. Yes, I do. Okay. Um, yeah, I mean dating is interesting. I've dated a lot on and off. Mm-hmm. The the road you know, I've, I had a partner that moved in this van. We broke up. I traveled solo. I dated guys in their own vans. You
1: know, like <laughs> yeah, there's all these permutations. Yeah, the permutations. Yeah, I dated like... a guy who owned a Civic, so we were mostly in our van. But he could at least go drive his to the crag
2: <laughs> Really, the the cruxiest <laughs> bit is how tall they are. All right, because my bed is only five nine long. Right. So if they're taller than that, it's going to be difficult for them to lie right. down in it.
1: You're like, I really <laughs> like this guy, but <laughs>
2: he's kind of tall. He's going to
1: be diagonal. And then he's going to be over in my shit. Yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, like, you know, it's dating in a van is, or dating in the dirtbag community is basically dating in the city, except incredibly small. Uh, right. Uh, my friend uh, Brittany said to me once that as a woman in the climbing community, the odds are good, but the goods are odd. And uh, that really stuck with me. But um, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It's, I- I'm 29, so I feel like I'm in that stage of life where people are like, so are you going to get married and have kids? And mm-hmm. I'm literally just like, I don't know. Right. I'm making a movie about climbing. I'm trying to write a book. I want to climb this rock, you know, so
1: I don't, I don't know. Yeah. It's interesting. (laughs) I mean, I was thinking about too, is because truly everybody's transient, not just physically, but most everybody ain't doing this for the rest of their lives. And and in fact, I would, I would sort of warn against that as we have many times. Yeah. So it's like, you've got, I don't know i've always i've thought about that way of like okay so you're dating your other van person Mm -hmm. and they have dreams of oh yeah i am gonna go back to school and oh yeah i'm gonna start you know what i mean like yeah it it feels like it would be hard to with the the limited selection and with everybody so scattered to get something that wasn't just kind of for fun yeah but then I guess, you know, you fall in love and then one person changes, changes dreams.
2: I mean, I think it's but hard. But everybody's
1: also so fucking independent. You know, that's the whole point of it.
2: Climbers are independent. Yeah. And that creates a lot of like chaos yeah. and change because, yeah, each one of you is like, oh, well, I want to do this and I have my projects. And like, well, I have my projects. I want to do this. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. OK, bye. Right. <laughs> I guess I'll see you next season. Right. You know, and then you're like, come back next season. And you're like, oh, I'm with this guy now. And they're, they're like, oh, no. You know, like, yeah. and it's. You know, it's, it, uh, I think it's painful. I think, you know, you write a sitcom about all the like dirtbag right. relationships, models, and styles that are out there. Right. Um, but yeah, I mean, I got some, I've had my heart broken. I've broken in some hearts. Um, I have some friends, you know, you're consoling people for like, oh, my girl, my girlfriend's now dating someone else on the circuit. Right. He climbs harder than me, you know, right. like, <laughs> um, that kind of thing. That and, is funny.
1: Uh, yeah. It's a little micro, like, uh, uh, <laughs> soap opera kind of style.
2: But honestly, when the when the, the relationships get too dramatic, you just pick up your van and drive to the next crag.
1: <laughs> it's the same as when a creep shows up. Yeah, exactly. Either way, lock the doors, and drive away. Any
2: conflicts, <laughs> lock the doors, drive away.
1: That's exactly how you deal with problems. You just drive away from them. Yeah. <laughs> <That's> perfect. <laughs> All right. Well, let's finish with the... Um, okay. You can, you can promo. Yes. Um, the Girl's Gone Wide. Yes. Yeah.
2: Uh, So the first Girls Gone Wide came out last summer, and uh, it's about me and Mary and Sam and Sadie climbing hard offwits in Vitavu, Wyoming. Uh, It's great. It was the work of my life. (laughs) It was really hard to do, and I'm very proud of it. You can see it on YouTube. Just type in Girls Gone Wide. Uh, Either like Kaya, Lindsay or One Chick Travels and you'll find it. And then tonight at the International Climbers Festival in Lander, Wyoming, I am premiering the second Girls Gone Wide, which is uh, about me and Mary climbing uh, this wide crack in the center of the Grand Canyon called uh, Screaming Sky Crack, Mm -hmm. which is uh, 38 miles of hiking, 20,000 feet of elevation gain and loss and uh, four pitches of somewhat wide rock climbing. So it was mostly a hiking trip, but it's really fun. It's really beautiful. It's probably the most beautiful, some of the most beautiful footage I've ever had the opportunity to take. And it's really fun. Cool. And that'll be premiering tonight.
1: And there's there's other merch.
2: Yes, there are shirts. There are Girls Gone Wide t-shirts at chicktravelscom slash shop. And that's O-N-E. One and then I have Girls Gone Wide shirts and I have a Woman's Place is on the face shirts as well. And it is a picture of Half Dome. So Woman's Place is climbing the face. Yeah, they're both on my website and they're on my Etsy store. They're I just figured out how to set up Instagram shopping, so you might be able to even buy them from there. Um but yeah. And you if you are well, no one listening to this will be going to the International Climbers Festival yet because it won't be out, but uh I am selling T shirts at the booth today. So yeah. Yeah, but that doesn't matter. That happened you in can the take past. that whole part out. No, no, it's <laughs> that happened I, I, in the past. we like
1: to play with podcast time travel on yeah. this thing. <laughs> People will listen to this t- for all time and they'll they'll re- and they will regret Not... having having mes- missed you at the trade fair and that's what we want.
2: Exactly. Yes. 2022. <laughs> <laughs> you
1: regretted it, Mr. 2029.
2: <laughs> <laughs> Future you regret.
1: All right, folks, thanks for listening, and thanks to Kaya for sitting down, allowing me into her van. She actually gave me the probably the most comfortable seating, the spin-around front seat of the sprinter. Nice drop-in from Mary, her other girl gone wide. Anyway, check her out, One Chick Travels on Instagram, and just uh, Google Girls Gone Wide. You'll find those videos and her website. Actually, if you do do that, if you do Google Girls Gone Wide, Google's just going to change it to girls gone wild. And then you're going to dip into that whole shit show. So make sure it says wide. And then when it says, did you mean girls gone wild? You say, no, I meant wide. But of course that's the pun they're making. So it goes with the territory and uh, make sure to go over to uh, wwwone slash shop. Get a t-shirt, They're really cool t-shirts. I think she's got stickers support, whatever she's doing. She's out there making it happen. She's like a a champion that we've sent forth to, to live our dreams, to suffer, to find glory, and to defeat evil so that the rest of us can continue living our menial little lives as cogs in the system. We are going to go out a little bit differently today. I wanted to record some music with Kaya when we were in Lander, but we didn't get around to it. We ran out of time. We ran out of bandwidth. So instead, she sent me a video of her playing a song called In My Mind by Amanda Palmer. It's a video recorded on her iPhone. So I took that single track of her and her ukulele, gussied it up a little bit, maybe to its detriment. She recorded it on a porch somewhere. And at one point, it appears that she's being attacked by a flock of ravens or crows or something. But I assure you, she and or the crows were not harmed during the making of this song. So have a listen. And while you're listening, why don't you check your knots?
0: A good defense, you That's It's funny. When you...